Welcome to Politicus, the only podcast that discusses politics and public service from the Portuguese-American perspective. Here we discuss everything from federal policy, local issues, and U.S.-Portugal relations with the goal of driving more discussion and awareness of the issues affecting our nation, our community, and what we as Portuguese-Americans can do about it. And now, Politicus. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody, wherever you are. Welcome to another edition of Politicus, the official podcast of Palcus. My name is Angela Samoz, and I am here with Denise Borges. Hi, Denise. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you, Angela? I am doing well. Why don't you go ahead and introduce our, our guest today? I'm honored to do that. Uh, Representative State Representative Joseph Solomon Jr. is from the great state of Rhode Island. And he was first elected in November of 2014 from District 22. Uh, he serves on the House Committee on Corporations, the House Committee on Oversight, and the House Committee on Veteran Affairs. He may serve on different committees from, since I have this short bio. Um, he is a Portuguese heritage from the Carreira dos Santos family uh, from the island of uh, São Miguel. And he has been involved, obviously, in the state's uh, politics and the uh, State of Rhode Island. He has a bachelor's degree uh, in accounting and obtained his doctorate in jurisprudence, his law degree from the New England Law School in Boston. So, welcome, Representative Solomon. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Denise. Right off the bat, uh, one of our main objectives of Politicus, as uh, many of our listeners know, and Angela always uh, explains, is to get to know each and every uh, of the uh, various elected officials that we have at uh, state levels, at local levels, at national levels. So tell us a little bit about yourself, and if you don't mind, how you came into the public service world. Thank you, thank you. So uh, I had actually uh, been working at the General Assembly, the Rhode Island's General Assembly, for approximately six years prior to being elected in office. I was legal counsel working on a variety of issues. And uh, running for office was something that I had been interested in for many, many years. So when, in 2014, when an opportunity came, came up to run for office, I jumped on that opportunity. And I was very you know, I was successful in my election. And you, this so, is a four-year term? A two-year term. In, the, in Rhode Island, the House of Representatives and the, the Rhode Island Senate have two-year terms. You're constantly campaigning, it seems like, for the two-year term, correct? <laughs> Yes, uh, every year, you know, every other year, essentially running, running for office. So, you know, it's very busy. It's very interactive. But, you know, it's a great time. So, uh, after your experience of serving, you know, as legal counsel for some issues in in the, the state government, what are some of the issues that drove you to basically run? Is there a couple of issues around the area that you represent that were very dear to your heart? Uh, there's so many issues uh, that I could talk about. Um, specifically, those the economy. You know, I had uh, I had graduated law school in 2008, and I had seen how difficult the economy was at that time. And uh, you know, Rhode Island had uh, truly hit a low point in the recession. So I wanted to see what I could do to make it better, to change things in Rhode Island as well as you know other areas. So uh, you know, I felt that. My, I'm 34 years old now. I was a lot younger back then, but I felt that you know I could bring youth and uh, new ideas to to the situation. And is there that fact right there, being uh, very young and getting involved in the political world, is um, 
can youth be a handicap, in your opinion, or uh, in, in, in a world that sometimes uh, is not as youthful as I believe it should be, um, uh, the political world, or can it be a plus? It, it's definitely a double-edged sword. In my, in my okay. opinion, I, I believe it, it's definitely helpful, though, uh, due to the fact that, you know, a lot of times things are done, you know, there's a pattern as to how things are done. Know continuously the same thing, the same thing. So I feel that not knowing the equation, not knowing that pattern, allows us to bring new ideas to that equation. And uh, you know, right. I, I youth and uh, you know, social media has changed so much, and it's brought new opportunities. You know, for both campaigning, for you know, rejuvenating the economy. I mean, the, the multi-million-dollar companies out there right now are based on new ideas. Whether you look at Amazon, whether you look at, uh, actually a Rhode Island company that we had was Teespring. I'm sure you're all familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, that was based out of Beta Spring in Rhode Island. And these are new ideas that are uh, created by, you know, youthful, except for Amazon, but, you know, for Teespring was a, you know, a youthful idea from students. And, you know, they brought something new. One thing that uh, in today's world, uh, and you know, politics sometimes takes a bad rap, um, but you get involved at a very young age, obviously, as uh, as you mentioned. And um, what do you think? Because not a lot of young people are driven into what we might call politics, or we might call public service, since the word politics has such a negative connotation nowadays. What do you feel is something that uh, can be done? And especially in the Portuguese-American community, I'm sure you have a Portuguese-American community in your area. What can be done, in your opinion, to motivate younger people to get involved? And not just running for a state house or for state senate, but even for school boards and some of the other local offices that are so important for uh, politics and for public service? Well, there's a quote that always comes to mind from John F. Kennedy. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And I believe that holds holds true to this day, that we have to get involved to change things. Things aren't going to change on their own. So we need to get involved, whether it be, you know, at the local level, the state level, or the federal level. You know, anything that you can do, whether it be helping out on a campaign, whether you be running for office, sitting on a board or a commission, it could be any type of commission. Your involvement in public service makes such a difference. Because if you don't do it, who will? Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the Portuguese bloc, which uh, I'm so proud of, you need to stick together. We need to stick together because that bloc is a strong voice. There's, <laughs> with, uh, with numbers, there's power. And I believe, it, especially in Rhode Island, we have uh, mm-hmm. over 10% of the population is Portuguese. So, yeah. That, that is such a strong block, and their voice is always heard. A little bit about your district, if you don't mind telling us, uh, District 22. What, uh, what does it entail, and, uh, and how much of a Portuguese uh, presence do you have in that district? I don't have the exact numbers as to the, the Portuguese representation in the district, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I know it is, a, it, is a strong, it is a strong percentage. Okay. Um, and, it's located and over involved? in Warwick. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, uh, they, are, they are involved. They are very involved, so... 
Representative Solomon, you um, you brought up two great points that I think are related. You you were giving examples of uh, and encouraging people, you know, get involved and make a difference, whether that's you know volunteering on a campaign or whatever level. And then you also talked about social media, and we were talking about the youth. And I wonder sometimes we get caught up in just looking at whatever we see on Facebook or Instagram or on on whatever social media platform we happen to be on and get our news from there and believe everything with, that we see there. And if we like something or dislike something or share something, that makes us feel like, oh, well, we've done something. But that really isn't the case, right? That's not really doing something. So how would you encourage people to translate their, I guess, social media action into like real action, if you will, a tangible action, like getting out and actually doing something? Angela, like you said, just liking a page isn't enough. You know, they need to, we need to get involved. You know, the people who want to get involved need to get involved. You know, whether it be organizing at a meeting, you know, community meeting, you know, call up your representatives, your senators, get a group together, you know, get involved in an issue and they will listen. I assure you they will listen. But most importantly, find out what boards and commissions there are Find out what seats are you know open for office, whether it be a council seat, a school committee seat. Get involved. I mean, that, that's so important. That's again another great point. And you mentioned you know look at, at people who are on different committees of of issues that you're involved with or, or that you care about. So for let's help people out here. Let's say um, they're really interested in immigration issues. What kind of committees would they be looking? Is it a, is it the committee on immigration, or is it are there different committees that address the immigration issue? What, what should they look for? In uh, legis- in the legislature, are you asking? Or I mean, yeah, see, see, as a le- as, as a legislature, as a legislature, we have the ability to create commissions, and uh, we uh, we often do create commissions for issues that are very important at that moment in time. So for example, with immigration, you know, although it's a federal issue, the states really do have a say in both, uh, yeah, in so much on the local level. So, you know, talk to your state representative, talk to your state center and say, we would really like to put together a public commission to study immigration or this issue or, or another issue and ask to be involved in that commission. And that I assure you, your state representative and senator will listen. And that, so, and asked to be involved in that commission, does that mean you have to take charge or you would just attend meetings? And sorry to be so granular, but I'm just trying to give people a really, a, a realistic idea of if they start volunteering, you know, how much of their time is going to be, uh, you know, do they have to commit? And, you know, what does that look like? Because I think people think about, oh, if I get involved, it's going to suck up my life and I don't have time. And you know what I mean? So I'm just trying to give people a a clear picture of what they might expect. Well, the public service does involve some time commitment. But at the end of the day, if, if, like I said before, if you are not involved in public service, if you're not making a change, then who's making that change for you? So it's so important to set aside that time and and feel free to get the family involved as well. I mean, uh, they they would like to be a part of it as much as you would. Right, and, and it's a great. About- no, go ahead. I was just going to. It's a great opportunity for kids to see at an early age, right? Even if they're stuffing envelopes or you know, helping out on a campaign or attending a meeting, it's a it's a good way to expose kids at an early age. Exactly. Uh, you know, I was uh, exposed to politics at a young age, both helping in uh, helping with my grandfather's races, 
uh, at a very young age, and uh, also with uh, my father's races. So, you know, my family's been involved in politics for a long time and, you know, public service. And it's just something that's so important because, you know, you see the good that you can do. You know, it's not always easy. It doesn't always happen fast. But, uh, but if you try, if you work hard, you can get it done. So talk a little bit about uh, that's a kind of a very interesting take on it as far as being involved in the family agent, having a family who has a history in politics. So tell us a little bit about your grandfather and your father. How were they involved? My grandfather was actually a Wolk City Councilman back from 1976 to 1986. He actually got involved when he was sitting around with uh, some friends and they were discussing some issues. And my grandfather, and this is this, my grandfather has since passed, but he said that, that you know, he made a comment on the issue and the person said, well, why don't you run for office? And he said, you know what? That's a great idea. And he did. So he felt that he could make the change. And, you know, for 10 years in office, yeah, he retired in 1986. He did make changes in the city of Warwick that he was very proud of. And my father, my father was a well, my father currently is a city councilman in the city of Warwick, actually at the same seat, uh, but he ran for office many years later. He was always interested in politics and uh, public service. And, uh, you know, he became involved and he still is. He enjoys it very much. And then watching my grandfather and my father, you know, showed me that you can make change. You can enact change. It's not quick. It doesn't happen fast. But if you work hard, it happens. So Joseph uh, uh, Solomon, Representative Solomon, I see that from what you're telling us, and, and it's a great story, uh, of family involvement. Politics is something that's discussed at your dinner table. Yes, yes, it is. So one of the taboos that shouldn't be, it's part of your uh, your family heritage. And uh, it seems like when families do get involved and kids get involved at a young age, as, such as yourself and your grandfather and your fathers, it's kind of a tradition that didn't kind of, most of the time it continues in family. So it's never too late for some family to get involved because it can even start as a family tradition. Absolutely. It does not matter how, how young or how old you are. You know, like I said, people who are young bring new ideas to the table. For people who are older, you know, you make sure that we don't repeat the same mistakes because history repeats itself. And these people have lived through, you know, uh, the, the good times and the bad times. So as a young person, you know, we learn, you know, from what, from history. And at the dinner table, did you guys always agree or were there differences of opinion and how did you handle that? Because that's always the, that's always <laughs> the, the worry, right? That there's going to be a big fight at dinner. Uh, so how did you handle any disagreements about politics? We, we would agree on some issues and we disagree on other issues, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, we always get along at the end of the day, but you know, uh, you work through because you know sometimes you know we're, we're not always right. You know, you may go into a discussion and think that you have the answer, and realize that once you get all the facts, once you sit down, you know, you know, open your mind to other issues, you know, yeah, you realize, you know, maybe we can do this a little bit better. And that, so at the end of the day, you know, we always get along. One of the uh, main focuses of our podcast, uh, Representative Solomon, is to uh, basically um, also touch upon the Portuguese-American heritage in throughout the United States, and in this case, mostly directly in, in the public service world. 
talk a little bit about uh, the community in your area. I know Rhode Island is one of the most vibrant Portuguese American communities in the United States of America. Uh, I see that with uh, the uh, utmost uh, respect for all the work that's being done in in Rhode Island, from the popular events to you know Portuguese language programs at uh, schools, colleges, universities. How important to the and it represents a, a pretty good chunk of the population. So. Uh, What is the Portuguese community? What is your take on the growth and the mainstreaming, uh, if you, I would say, of the Portuguese American community in Rhode Island with all the different generations? Because I'm sure we have first, second, third, and even fourth generations. Yes, we have a strong Portuguese population in the state of Rhode Island. Uh, my grandfather actually grew up in the Fox Point section of Providence, Rhode Island, where there was a strong Portuguese population. Uh, his father actually had a grocery store in that area. And he was very active with the community. The Portuguese population in Rhode Island is very active. And, you know, that I believe that they act as a block of people. And so their voices are heard very much in the state of Rhode Island. In the, the since you have such a strong community and quite a few elected officials at the local level, at statewide level, one of the things that uh, also has started in the last few years, and I know you took part of it uh, last year and, and before, is the legislative dialogues in Lisbon promoted by the uh, Flat Foundation, How important do you think the communities can be to serve uh, as, a, uh, as a tie between this transatlantic relations? I mean, Europe is uh, one of the, the main ally partner of the United States of America in trade and, 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 and many other things, especially uh, our cultural ties. And I think Portugal can play an important role in that. So from your experience participating as someone of Portuguese ethnic background, uh, how would you describe these legislative dialogues and how important do you think they are to building bridges between Portugal and the United States and to building bridges between the community and Portugal? These dialogues were so important. Uh, you know, I learned so much when I went over to Portugal, uh, specifically for the flood event. When we sat down with the minister, the uh, representatives from the Minister of Sea, Uh, about the potential opportunities between uh, connecting the ports of you know, the port over in Lisbon, as well as in regard to uh, the United States. I felt that there were a lot of opportunities. Specifically, you know, in Rhode Island, we have uh, Quanta, the Quonset Point, which we have a, a deep sea port in our state. And I believe that would be a perfect opportunity to connect both Portugal with the state of Rhode Island. Now, we're going to need the Portuguese community to show that, you know, there is an opportunity, that there is a demand for it, that the, that a connection, connection exists. And I believe that's where, the, that's such an important part that if the Portuguese community, both, you know, those who are elected officials, as well as our citizens, get involved and demonstrate that need. So you think it can be basically a win-win for both? I mean, it can help Portugal, but it also can help the community be in touch, not just with its roots, but also with the modern-day Portugal. Because I'm sure that, you, as you said, you learn so much by going to the legislative dialogues. And one of the things is uh, a lot of times people have an image of Portugal that was given to them by their grandparents, and Portugal has uh, changed immensely, particularly in the last 30 years or so. Portugal has changed immensely. Uh, you know, I, I was just so impressed with the, what is going on over there, with the development, with the new ideas. Just listening to the mayor of Porto, 
Um, I, I looked at what occurred, you know, uh, he explained the situation many years ago about the economic difficulties and what they have done to change things over there. And sometimes you need to take that leap to, to find true gains. And the mayor of Porto has done a phenomenal job over there. And I believe we can extend that to the state of Rhode Island because we need to look outside the box and, uh, and just do it. What are some of the areas uh, that you think that um, where we could really focus uh, maybe an exchange of ideas or, you know, exchange of best practices um, just from, because personally, every time I, I go to Portugal, I feel like sometimes I see innovations there, mostly technological, I have to say, that we still don't have here, whether it's around Wi-Fi or something as simple as, um, you know, keeping track of grocery carts, <laughs> things like that. Um, in your experience, or, you know, and you know, with this bridge that we're talking about, what are some of the areas that you'd like to see um, to start with where, where there is an exchange of ideas or, or best practices? My, my thoughts are that in regard to port policy, uh, you know, Lisbon and Portugal is so centrally is perfectly located for maritime activities. And I believe that their success there can be brought over to, you know, specifically Rhode Island because we have a perfect location in regard to maritime activities. And what they do over in Portugal, I believe, can translate very well into the state of Rhode Island. Additionally, uh, looking at taxes and tax structure, you know, there's some things that I believe Portugal does well, and there are some things that they do not do well in regard to tax structure. Um, specifically, when I was listening to the mayor of Porto, he was telling me that they actually lowered their taxation to the point at which it drew businesses to the city. And it was a, it was a drastic move because when you lower taxes that much, you potentially lose out on a significant amount of revenue. However, mm -hmm. you hope that that economic development Will, will bring back that revenue at an even higher pace. And that's actually what occurred from, a, you know, from my understanding, that's what occurred uh, in Porto. Now, the state of Rhode Island, uh, we've had some issues with taxes. And, you know, the, there have been some issues thinking that, you know, our taxes are too high. So I'm actually looking in that regard to lowering at a very significant rate certain taxes so that we draw that business to our mm. state. So mm -hmm. it's worked over there. I believe it can work over here as well. It's a great point uh, because if anybody's ever tried to do business, start a business, depending on what state you're in or what country you're in, it can be really difficult. Lots of paperwork and you keep getting hit with tax bills and fees and you just think, oh my gosh, when am I going to stop writing checks? So uh, it's a great, it's a great point. And ju ju just to add to that really quickly, you know, I've, uh, I've been doing some traveling the past year, and I had an opportunity to go to Greece. And I found how the tax structure over there just does not work. It, it Specifically, when you're opening up a business, you actually have to prepay your taxes for, for I believe, the first year or two Holy you know, cow. before you can even open up that business. So, I mean, obviously, that's a very regressive tax yeah. ideology. And, you know, and you see it. Greece, you know, they've had their difficulties, and I believe they're still a little bit on the decline. But then you look at a country like Portugal, about how it's going, you know, the, it's you know doing a great job. The economy is doing so much better. You just see it on the upward trend. So, you know, it's a great opportunity to see what's going on in other countries and, you know, translate them to the United States. 
So my uh, my last question is, I know we're running close to our time length, is um, basically taking um, exactly some of those thoughts that you had, Representative Solomon, and um, the experience of the legislators' dialogue uh, promoted by FLAD, uh, this yearly event in the springtime of every year, and transforming those into uh, a little bit more of a hands-on uh, initiatives in the communities. Uh, and I know that here in California, we've done that with the uh, advent of uh, the California Portuguese American Coalition. I know something similar is being worked uh, in the East Coast um, uh, of the United States, mainly in the New England area. And I'm sure other areas will develop uh, soon with the initiative of FLAT and the help of FLAT. My question would be in the aspect of uh, building upon this uh, dialogue that happens yearly in Lisbon within the Portuguese American communities uh, and within the area that's, uh, you know, whether you represent at a state level or a local level or a, uh, or in this case, the, the mostly uh, state or national level, do you feel it's important that we go beyond this uh, yearly event and maybe establish uh, some uh, concrete uh, uh, organizational uh, endeavors here in the States to kind of keep that dialogue going for the next 11 months? Absolutely. I, I believe we should. It's, uh, because we need to do it often. We need to speak often. We need to get together often. We need to be involved. And I believe a continuous involvement will help further those goals. Hopefully, FLAT can continue with this project. And I know that uh, that is one of the main reasons why Talkus exists. Correct, my mm -hmm. chairperson? That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So one thing that we do like to ask each of our guests is to provide either a, you know, call to action or some words of advice, uh, which you've already done uh, a bit throughout this podcast. But is there, are there any final words you'd like to leave with our listeners? Again, call to action or, or bits of advice for them. I would just like to tell everybody to get involved, you know, get together, get involved in the community, get involved in, uh, you know, your local in state races, and your federal races as well. Because at the end of the day, you're the one who will make the change. And if you don't do it, who will at the end of the day? Thank you so much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, it's it's been our pleasure. Thank you for your time. And uh, Denise, do you have some final thoughts? Final words is again, thanking Representative Solomon from the 22nd District in um, Rhode Island. And thanks, obviously, to everyone who listens in. Yep. And um, yes, thank you everybody for listening. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, please do so. Um, and please share this podcast with anybody that you think would be interested in learning more about our Portuguese American elected officials and the process and how we can all make a difference and get involved. Uh, please leave, leave us a review on iTunes that will help other Portuguese Americans and others interested in this topic find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And with that, thank you all again and hope you have a great day. Thank you for listening to Politicus, the official podcast of PALCUS, the Portuguese American Leadership Council of the United States. PALCUS is the premier national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese American community at large. To learn more about PALCUS and how to become a member or to make a donation, visit www.palcus.org. To submit feedback or suggestions about the podcast, email us at palcus.palcus.org. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the show are not endorsed by PALCUS.